What a powerful reminder to all of us today of the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I do believe that this hymn that they just sang properly represents really the complete truth that Jesus Christ has rescued us. If you're thankful you're saved, say amen. Amen. And I knew what they were singing because I uh, uh, planned for them to sing that song this morning. I knew I was returning from around the world. And to be honest with you, it's, it's hard to even sit through the song without just weeping over those truths. To think that that truth of Christ's robes of righteousness being exchanged for our sinfulness is affecting literally every tribe and every tongue and every nation around the world. It makes you very humbled. It makes you realize that you are actually not that important and yet God loves you. And in the great scheme of things, it is the glory of God through the power of the gospel that matters. And I want to encourage you today to think about those truths, how God has rescued you, how God has changed you. And if you are here today and you have never experienced the power of what was just sung about, the power of God's justification, redeeming you, exchanging your sin for his righteousness, that today would be the day of your salvation. The last line of the song says, that all praise goes to Jesus Christ alone. For he alone is worthy of our praise. He's worthy of your life and my life. He's worthy of us giving our lives to the cause of the gospel, to the cause of his plan. I've often heard it said that his last command should be our first priority. And when Jesus gave his last command to go into all the world and preach the gospel, that should be a priority for us. It's really hard to even communicate to you how exciting it is to travel and see a different culture, to meet brothers and sisters who love God just like we love God and love Christ, and yet uh, they're living in a foreign land with far less than we have, and, and yet they are pursuing Christ and sharing Christ and seeing Christ be known in their culture. It's hard to even communicate to you how stirring it is. Just on Friday morning, last Friday morning, I was preaching at a Bible college in India. And you know what? It's the same truth. That's that's encouraging. Thankfully, it's the same even language. I, I, I got to preach in English. And yet... The faces and the people, of course, look so different than than us here. But their hearts are the same. And I'll tell you, it was a joy to share Christ and preach the word to the Bible college students, about 70 of them, and and to also be involved in a, in a, a very large pastor's conference, which was really exciting for the students who worked hard to prepare the facilities. And uh, when I say prepare the facilities, let me just tell you, when I got there, I, they, they walked me into the chapel and they said, this is where we're going to have the, the conference uh, later this week. And I was like, in my mind, I thought there is no way because there was just stuff everywhere. It was a mess. They were still building. They, 
they were, they were still preparing. There was no paint on the walls. There was uh, a bunch of junk on the floor. Uh, really, there was hardly any lights. And, and it was amazing to see the transformation. And, and if you know anything about a, a country like India, they're going to use the building as soon as they can use the building. And even if it's not done, they're going to use it. And so we actually had the conference in the building, and many of the students were the ones that cleaned up, painted, set up the sound system, set up the lights. They were the ones preparing for the conference that we had. And the place was full of, of brothers and sisters from across the area uh, coming to that pastor's conference. And so it was a wonderful blessing. It's great to be back with you, and I'm so thankful to be able to share with you today a message from the Word of God but uh, part, part of the message today has to be the, what's on my heart. And I can't, I, cannot, I can't stop communicating to you what the Lord did in my heart. And I just want to start today by saying when, when, when I go to a country like India, first of all, I am overwhelmed with the need. Overwhelmed with the need. 1.4 billion people in the country of India. In the state of Tamil Nadu, which is where I was residing for the week, in a city called Trichy, uh, this, this state has uh, many, uh, many cities that are actually larger than any of the cities in the state of Wisconsin. You know that in Milwaukee, there's only 600,000 people in the population of Milwaukee. In the entire state, we're talking about maybe close to 6 million, I think, in the state of Wisconsin. Well, in, in the largest city in the state of Tamil Nadu, the city of Chennai, there are over 8 million people in that one city. And uh, I was in the fourth largest city in the, in the state of Tamil Nadu. And uh, that city has about 1.2 million, the city of Trichy. And this is where I was ministering for this week. And as you drive across the city, as you see the people, as you visit sites like the Hindu temple, uh, which was actually built at the highest point in the city of Trichy, which used to be a British fort. And they've turned the, the British fort into a, a temple that people come from all different states of India and they, they worship their millions of gods at this temple we had the chance of visiting that temple and, and just to see the people and to see the false religion and the dark nature of Hinduism. And, and literally, the, 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 uh, the Hindu priests uh, pouring the offerings, uh, the milk offerings, the drink offerings, the food offerings, and adding it to the, to, the, the, to the foot of the idols. Literally, in my presence, I was watching that take place. And then they would come out with with the burning ashes and, and, and give ashes to each of the people that were bringing their offerings and they would wipe the ashes on their forehead and in their hair and on their children. It was very sad to watch. In my presence, false religion dominating in that culture. And of course, uh, as we stood there, our hearts were just grieved with that kind of false teaching. And so you cannot, you cannot possibly see this without being overwhelmed as a Christian with, with the great need of the gospel. Students today, our feet should be firmly planted in our country, but our eyes should see the world. Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are white already to harvest. And so I, I cannot express to you how overwhelming it is to see what, what I saw. And I hope you get the chance to do that someday in the future. 
So I was overwhelmed with the need. Secondly, I was inspired by specifically the the philosophy of missions that is being lived out with the people that I was ministering with. And here is the proper philosophy of missions in a summary, okay? I know there are entire classes on this. But the goal of missions is to plant churches to produce disciples so that then they would be self-sustaining churches in their own culture. If you agree with that philosophy, say amen. This is the goal of missions, which is why I personally do not believe it's appropriate for necessarily an American to be pastoring in a foreign land like India for like 20 years at the same church. I know there are exceptions to this, but the goal is to train them to be self-sustaining, self-indigenous, uh, self self-supporting churches where the people are supporting their national pastor. And so most of what should be taking place in, in a philosophy of missions is, is training and producing disciples, planting churches, and training the pastors. And uh, the entire work of the ministry that I was involved in was focused on this truth. And I'm so thankful to tell you that I am very encouraged and inspired by this a wonderful philosophy of ministry, this philosophy of missions. So, number one, overwhelmed. Number two, inspired. Number three, uh, if you've ever visited a foreign land, you're refocused. Refocused. For what I am doing in the work of the ministry right now, right here at Maranatha Baptist University, in your lives, in the lives of people that are touched by this ministry, has grave importance, sincere importance for what we are seeking to to see done around the world. And I'm so thankful that uh, I was able to have this trip. I'm thankful that uh, Global Encounters supported the trip and that I was able uh, to even be there on, on behalf of Maranatha Baptist University and to have some co-laboring together with this Bible college in India. And really it speaks volumes to why we exist. Do you not understand that we exist for the purpose of getting the gospel around the world? We exist to train local uh, uh, train you to be involved in local church ministry and worldwide ministry to the praise of his glory. And it is wonderful to co-labor with this uh, Bible college. Uh, on the campus there are two big stones. One of them says this building has been dedicated by Dr. Matt Davis. Another one was, was a stone that said this building has been dedicated by Dr. Brian Brock because they visited there prior to my coming there. And I was joking with uh, the, the missionary, the, uh, Brother Philip, and uh, I was joking with him because uh, we, we gave some extra money this time as well. And he said, are, are you okay if I use a little bit of this money to purchase a cow? And I said, hey, listen, when, when, we, when we give this money to you, we want you to do what you believe is necessary for the work of the ministry. He said, well, we actually, we actually believe we should buy another cow because that cow then helps to support the students because they milk the cow and they use the milk uh, with their student body. I know, this is unbelievable. And so I thought to myself, oh, Dr. Davis and Dr. Brock got a headstone for a building and I was joking with Philip, maybe he should name the cow Herb or Herbie or something like that. <laughs> And, uh, and that will be my dedication to the ministry there. It's, uh, it's just so wonderful for us to co-labor with this ministry. So I'm refocused. 
And I'm going to tell you something, what what we're doing here, training not only people for full-time ministry, but training all of you in science and business and nursing and medicine and so forth, humanities, um, we do not ever want you to forget that actually the reason we're here is for the sake of his name. That's why we're here. We're going to talk about that more in just a moment. And then finally, overwhelmed, inspired, refocused, grateful is the last word I want to use. Uh, you know as well as I do that India is an underdeveloped country and you cannot drive through uh, the country and see the people and see the way they're operating and living without being incredibly grateful for God's grace, God's grace in your own life. The average person in India is making approximately $200 a month. And so we're talking about really a country that is stricken with a lot of poverty. There is a, ma- a massive uh, difference between the, the low level, the low caste and the high caste. They still operate under a caste system. And there, is, there are people that are incredibly, incredibly wealthy. And, and the wealthy are getting wealthier. And the, the poor are still struggling just to survive. And uh, I just want to say that my heart is so grateful Not only that I'm saved, not only that uh, God gives me opportunities to travel the world like that, but but even to to live in a in a more prosperous country like America, it it really is a blessing that God has given to us, and we should uh, thank the Lord for that. And uh, you you go to a place like that, and you're you're just grateful for God's grace. And so I am so thankful to be able to be back with you today, and just to challenge you. And I do want to challenge you from Second Corinthians chapter five. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I knew that the, really the message is going to be a little bit shorter, and, and I hope that you're just sensing the, the spirit of my, my heart and my, my, my desire for you is, is that in some sense what I'm saying today would just spark something inside of you that says, you know what, maybe, maybe I'm just too selfish. Maybe I'm too focused on my own life. Maybe I'm just distracted from the ultimate purpose that God has for our lives, for his glory. I think one of the texts that uh, we often go to to talk about evangelism is 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and specifically verse 20, where the Bible says, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. And then, of course, one of the most powerful gospel verses is verse 21. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And and you know that the book of 2 Corinthians, Paul is actually writing to kind of defend his ministry. And in no way am I saying that what what I'm preaching today is a defense of what I did this week, but in, in, in some sense, people get confused about why we're doing the work of the ministry. And Paul is using the book of 2 Corinthians to defend his apostleship, to defend his ministry. And specifically in chapter 5, we see that he is struggling between what we might call mortality and immortality. He's struggling between the heavenly realm and, and the earthly realm. And in verse 7, I think, is, which is a key verse in this chapter, he says, for we walk by faith and not by sight. You see both angles there. The sight is the earthly sight. The faith is the heavenly. And, and of course, we see this in multiple places in the New Testament where Paul had this struggle. And I can say to you that, that if you are serious about ministry, you also have this struggle. 
and you realize that you long for heaven, you want to be with God, you, that's what you're living for, and yet God has left you here. And you're supposed to minister, you're supposed to be involved, you're supposed to serve God by sharing and preaching and, and, and giving the gospel to other people. And so I think that throughout chapter 5, we see several things that happen here. You see that Paul has a conflict in verses 2 and 4. He uses the word groaning. There's a groaning in his life, in his earthly life, there's a groaning. Literally, he says in verse 4 that he is burdened with this. And you know what? If, you are, if your focus is on the heavenly and you are setting your th- affection on things above and you're living for, for, not for yourself but for the glory of God, then, then you also feel this. You feel the groaning. You long for Jesus. You are burdened when you see the corruption and the sin. Paul had a conflict, and it really is the conflict between the immortal life that was, is promised and predicted for him and the mortal life that he is living. Notice in verses 6 and verse 8, not only do we see that Paul had a conflict, but we see that Paul had confidence. He had confidence in verse 6. Therefore, we are always confident. In verse 8, we are confident. And confident particularly here in the fact that absent from the body is present with the Lord. And once again, we see the two sides, the earthly and the heavenly And someday that will all be resolved because we're in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And so we can have confidence that when we die, we're going to go to be with God. And that confidence is is really the foundation, one of the building blocks for our ministry, is that we we are living for things above, not for things of this earth. Thirdly, we see that Paul is constrained. Not only is he conflicted, but... And confident, but he is constrained. And a really familiar verse, a powerful verse, verse 14, for the love of Christ constraineth us, pushes us, compels us, pulls us, moves us, motivates us, is the idea. For it is the love of Christ that the fact that we are saved and rescued in God's grace, it is constraining us that we do not live for ourselves, verse 15, that he who died for all, Uh, that they should live not henceforth unto themselves. Listen, listen, this is the cure for selfishness. And that is to focus on what Christ has done and get your eyes off of yourself and realize that it's really all about Him and it's all about uh, the gospel for His glory. And if you're selfish, it's because you're not being constrained by this gospel. And, And just frankly this morning... Students, if you could listen to a song like His Robes for Mine and reflect upon the lyrics and not have anything in your heart that says, I want to live for Jesus, there's something wrong. There's something wrong in your heart. We are motivated, we are constrained by Christ. And then I see His commitment, conflict, confidence, constrained and committed. And I think that the commitment is really what we have read already in verse 20. And it is the commitment to realize that while we're in this earthly sphere, while we are in our mortal bodies, we're here for a higher cause. We're here for the glory of God to represent Christ. And so he says, I'm an ambassador for Christ. And I, and I believe that this idea of being an ambassador is something that we need to be challenged with. We are here to represent Christ. 
An ambassador is a representative, a person sent from one sovereign to another, and is supposed to be representing the person who sent them. As John 20, verse 21 says, As my Father hath sent me, even so send I you. As 2 Corinthians 4, verse 5 says, For we do not preach ourselves, but we preach Christ Jesus the Lord. We are, we are representing Christ. And, and of course, we're familiar with this because of our country having different places around the world, different embassies. I didn't visit an embassy in India, but I guarantee you there is one there. And I guarantee you there is an ambassador to India. And we're familiar with this idea that the ambassador is sent to a foreign land. They are there to speak on behalf of the sovereign. They are there to represent the president. They are there to represent their country. And their goal is not their own. It is not for their own good, for their own material wealth. Their whole entire purpose is for the good of the, the country and the president that they represent. And this is a powerful illustration for us. And I want you to see three aspects of this ambassador's ministry. And and I hope that God would challenge you that this is why we're here. This is why we exist. I've often thought to myself, why is it that when we get saved, God doesn't just rapture us? In some ways, that would be beautiful, wouldn't it? Because we do long to be with him. So why are we here? Why, Why does he save us and then leave us here? To give us not only abundant life and and then eventually eternal life, but what is the purpose of our life? Well, I I think that really one of the primary purposes of our living is that we would be an ambassador. One of the primary reasons we are here is to represent Christ in this world. So let's notice, first of all, the motivation of the ambassador. The motivation of the ambassador. I want you to see that all three of these points are linked up with a very important term, and that is the term reconciliation. Reconciliation. This is the fact that God has, through his his son, Jesus Christ, he has literally exchanged our status. The word exchange represents reconciliation. He exchanged our status from being an enemy of God, and now we are a friend of God. This is one of the most beautiful theological truths in the Scripture. We have been reconciled. Because when we are born, there is no peace with God. When we are born, we are enemies of the cross, enemies of the gospel, enemies of God himself. But through the power of Jesus Christ, when we repent and believe the gospel, there is this beautiful exchange, enmity for friendship. No longer are we the enemy of God, but we are his friends. What a blessing this reconciliation is. It is used five times in these verses, verses 17 through 21. Notice verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ. I believe this is showing us the motivation for the ambassador. Throughout, the, throughout this chapter, I've already shown you that the love of Christ constrains us. The fact, that we are, the, the fact that we are saved by the gospel, reconciled by the gospel, the fact that he has reconciled us should be the primary motivation for us to represent him well, to speak his truth, to live his truth, to showcase the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ in this world wherever we go. This motivation is from the sacrifice of God, the substitution of Jesus Christ, and the saving of mankind. 
And all of this can be seen in these verses. Verse 18, and all things are of God who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation. Let me ask you this morning, what is motivating you? Why are you living? Why do you seek to serve God? What is motivating you? And specifically, are you motivated to be someone who is properly representing Jesus Christ? And I think part of that is with our voice. We speak the gospel. Part of that is with our life. We live the gospel. And we'll see that as we, as we look at the rest of this text briefly this morning. But you, you must have an internal motivation. You know what? Sometimes, to be honest, I look at Christians in America, and yes, even Christians on this campus, and I wonder, what is motivating you? Why are you doing what you are doing? Is there any interest in the church? Is there any interest in missions? Is there any interest in sharing Christ with your neighbor, with the person at the, uh, the quick trip, with the, with the uh, relative who's unsaved? Is there anything internally motivating you? What is driving you? What is pushing you? And I think that that is important that we understand that what motivates us to be an ambassador is the fact that we have been reconciled. Notice, secondly, the ministry of the ambassador. The ministry of the ambassador. Verses 19 and in verse 21, at the end of verse 19, the Bible tells us that he has committed unto us, notice how this is connected to reconciliation, he's committed unto us the word of reconciliation. I think it's great that he says the word because faith cometh by hearing and hearing by what? The word. So God has graciously reconciled us and now he's taking that reconciliation message which is a spoken word about the message of Christ, and he has invested it to us. This message is God's message. It says it was was with God in Christ. It was initiated by God. To wit, verse 19, that God was in Christ. And I'm glad to tell you that no preacher, no Baptist church, no institution ever invented the gospel. The gospel is God's idea. Planned and purposed before the world ever began. It is initiated by God. It involves the entire world. Notice this in verse 19, reconciling the world unto himself. And we know that the scripture tells us that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He would have all men to be saved. Go you into all the world and preach the gospel. And this is why even a trip, what I, what I experienced and what you could experience, why we should go into all the, the far reaches of the world and share Christ if it's not a part of the entire world? Why are we spending all the money to send missionaries? Why are we uh, sending people around the world to share the gospel? We believe that the gospel needs to be preached in all the world for the saving of souls. So it includes the whole world. And uh, in a theological sense, it includes what we might call the imputation of righteousness. This is incredible in this text. To wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Watch this not imputing their trespasses unto them. And this is seen in verse 21 as well. For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And uh, there's a lot that could be said here, but what he's talking about here is literally justification. Our sin on the account of Jesus on the cross, his righteousness imputed on the account of us so that we can go to heaven. So this reconciliation, this ministry of reconciliation, is, it includes justification and imputing righteousness to our account. And then he, and he ends verse 19 by saying, it is entrusted to us. It is invested to us. 
The word invest means to give authority or office to. And we should be speaking God's truth because of this ministry of reconciliation. All right, so we've seen the motivation of the ambassador. We've seen now, secondly, the ministry of the ambassador. And what specifically does the ambassador do? I see this, uh, number three, the mandate of the ambassador. The mandate of the ambassador. What does the, the ambassador actually say? What does the ambassador actually do to represent Christ? Well, verse 20 shows us, Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. Notice that reconciliation is the message. So reconciliation is the motivation. Reconciliation is the ministry. But reconciliation is also the message that you speak. He uses these terms. He says we we beseech you, we pray you. These are terms with passion. These are, uh, these are terms of invitation and love and kindness, begging and petitioning and requesting and inviting. So our goal in life is to be spreading the message. It's to be loving people and, and sharing Christ and, and helping them come to Christ. Notice the attitude of the command. Beseeching, inviting Speaking the truth in love. Notice the activity of the command, which is, uh, which is speaking, and the authority of the command, which is it is from God. So when we speak, we speak on behalf of God, and God is, has all power. And of course, Matthew 28 tells us, we have all power to do this. When you speak the gospel, you have the full weight of the King of Kings behind you when you share the gospel. So the authority of the command in the attitude of this command. And you know, the problem is we're really not doing this that much. Maybe you and I have lost our focus and, and, and I have been blessed to be refocused and, uh, and challenged and really stirred in a powerful way as I've traveled across the world and been, been in multiple different places even in the last week where the gospel is very unclear, where the percentage of Christianity is very low. And yes, I have had the privilege to be stirred that way. And maybe God stirred me so that maybe this message can stir you to get your eyes off of just your academic career. Get your eyes off of just making money and living the American dream. And, And maybe today God wants to stir you to be involved in this incredible work, the work of the task of sharing Christ and seeing people saved all around the world. This is why I've titled the message, The Unfinished Task. The Unfinished Task. And what is amazing is that we get to partner with and collaborate with an incredible God and a wonderful Savior. He does the saving. We do the sharing. He's the one who calls. We're the ones that preach. He's the one that rescues. No one, no one that's a true Christian should ever believe that salvation is is of any man. Salvation is of God alone. But we get to co-labor with the the power of God, the authority of God, the message of God, his plan for redemption. We get to co-labor and it's a mystery that he gets to send us to all kinds of places and and he allows us to share this message so that people are saved when ultimately he's still sovereignly in charge of all of it. It's amazing, isn't it? Don't miss being a part of God's plan 
Don't miss the opportunities to share Christ as an ambassador. And I don't know what you're facing on this Tuesday morning. Yes, it is Tuesday. I, it's hard to, hard to remember where I am these days right now. It is Tuesday morning. On this Tuesday morning, I just ask you, what is, what is stealing your focus? What is lacking in your motivation? I know you're busy. I know you got all kinds of projects, but do you realize that everything we are doing here in this academic institution is all about this type of theme? We do not want you to leave here with just a degree. We want you to leave here with a heart for souls. And frankly, we're really not successful if you graduate and you go out and you forsake that, that truth. We're really not succeeding. We may as well be a secular institution that gives people an education. If you miss that whoever you are and whatever you are studying, you must have a burden and a passion to reach people with the gospel. If you miss that, then you're missing really why we exist as an institution. I want to encourage you as you are in and out of different places in this community. I want to encourage you as you go out to your church locations and extensions. I want to encourage you as you start to survey maybe on the internet some of the countries around the world that God would burden your heart. Everywhere I go, people are saying we need more laborers. Where are the laborers? You know what I think? They should be right here at Maranatha. I'm not talking about everybody being a preacher. I'm not talking about everybody even being a supported missionary. I'm talking about laborers for the gospel in whatever venue of life, whatever occupation you take. You've heard me say it. Every occupation is an opportunity of ministry. And if if you miss that, you miss the heart of Maranatha Baptist University. I believe that we need to be passionately evangelistic. And you know what? Sometimes in an intellectual institution, it can stifle that kind of energy and that kind of excitement. And you know what? We need to get excited about seeing people saved. We need to get excited about sharing Christ around the world. And I will tell you, I don't know what excites you, but it excites me when I walk off of an airplane and I am immediately bombarded with thousands and thousands of people. You should have seen the airport in India. Unbelievable. That excites me to think that, man, I can come here and the only reason I'm here is because I believe that Jesus Christ can save anyone. I tell my girls all the time when I leave, when I leave on a trip like this, I tell them all the time, the only reason I'm going, I'm not going for vacation, I'm not going to just get experience, I'm going because I'm burdened to share the gospel and I want to see people get saved, I want to share Christ, that's really the purpose And wow, what an incredible opportunity it is for each of you to have this burden. And in just a moment, as we conclude, I'm going to give you an opportunity to to maybe just pray to God and and just call out to God and say, you know what, God, change my motivation, change my heart, refocus me. That you would commit yourself to be motivated as an ambassador, take the ministry of an ambassador, and be somebody who is saying these truths about the gospel and the command to be reconciled unto God. And you know what? Here's the amazing thing. God can use you. God will use you. And what a joy it is when God uses you to represent him. That's why we're here. That's why we live.
Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? In just a moment, we're going to stand together. I've asked Mrs. Loggins to just begin to play in, in just a moment. Here am I, Lord, send me. And uh, we'll stand, and if you'd like to just kneel at your chair and, and just ask God to give you a greater burden, a greater motivation, to change your desires, to get your focus off of yourself, to be an ambassador, why don't you just get on your knees and talk to the Lord? Would you stand together with me? And as she plays... If you, if you need to talk to the Lord, just turn around at your chair and get on your knees and just tell the Lord. Just tell the Lord what he's challenging you to do and be right here in this service. Just turn around and get on your knees if you'd like to do that. And say, God, give me a passion for the lost. Give me a burden to see people saved. Get my eyes off of money. Get my eyes off of success. Get my eyes off of academics. Get my eyes on you and sharing Christ. Lord, as we dismiss today, we thank you so much for the truth that we've seen in your word. Thank you personally for the truth that I've been able to experience uh, by traveling around the world. Lord, I pray that in these feeble words that I've shared today, that there would be something that happens in all of our hearts. Lord, I just don't even know how to pray other than to say, please do a work in this student body. Please change the desires and the motivation and the drive of some of our students when they really rarely think about this. I pray that you would do a work in all of us, that you would refocus us, inspire us with these truths. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.